Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up. U.S. agencies reportedly investigating the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, including stock sales days before the bank failed. We take a deep dive on how the bank's fall is affecting the startup community, both now and into the future. Meta announces another enormous round of layoffs. How many jobs did it cut this time? Inflation slowed down slightly last month after being above expectations the month before. Year-over-year CPI slowed to 6%. A New York lawmaker recently grilled the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on inflation. We have that lawmaker on the show today. She says the Biden administration isn't taking inflation seriously. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. The fallout from the Silicon Valley bank collapse continues to unfold. The Department of Justice and the Securities and Exchange Commission are reportedly investigating the collapse of the bank. This is according to the Wall Street Journal today. The investigations are also examining stock sales that SVB executives made days before the bank failed. A filing with the SEC shows that former CEO Greg Becker sold $3.6 million worth of shares of SVB Financial on February 27th. The journal report comes the day after SVB Financial Group shareholders sued two top executives. The plaintiffs accused them of hiding how rising interest rates would leave Silicon Valley Bank at risk to a bank run. SVB's collapse is the biggest U.S. bank failure since the 2008 financial crisis and the second biggest in U.S. history. The Federal Reserve also announced late yesterday it's reviewing its oversight of Silicon Valley Bank after the bank collapsed last week. Here's more. The Federal Reserve is placing Silicon Valley Bank under the microscope. I've lived through a lot of crises, and it's very easy to know what went wrong the day after the crisis is over. It's very difficult to know what's going wrong before before you have the crisis. Michael Barr, the Fed's vice chair for supervision, is leading the probe, which will focus on how regulators, including some Feds, missed the financial storm. We feel like it wasn't our responsibility as depositors to maintain faith in the bank, but it should be the bank's responsibility through sound judgment to take care of the funds that we deposited with them, in which Silicon Valley Bank failed to do so. The Fed's review is scheduled to be publicly released May 1st. We'll learn a lot more facts and we'll have a lot more opinions of what happened. And I guarantee you that we will regulate for whatever went wrong this time. But next time, it will be something different. President Joe Biden outlined his plan to contain the collapse on Monday. But some customers still made a bank run. We have an obligation with payroll. We have an electrical business and we have to meet payroll. Meanwhile, lawmakers are calling for action. For us in Congress, we need to revisit some of the regulation that was loosened on these regional mid-sized banks uh, not so long ago. I certainly opposed that loosening at the time. But Senator Elizabeth Warren is calling on Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell to recuse himself from the review. Warren argued that Powell's prior support for easing bank rules indicates he should not participate in the review. She says for the review to have credibility, Powell needs to publicly recuse himself from it. As the review of SVB's crash goes underway, concerns are rising whether the collapse will push depositors to move to bigger banks, making few big banks even bigger and weakening the community bank system. 
New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer today said he is concerned about that. And small banks are telling him about customers pulling money out. You know, I, I heard from several of uh, our banks in Jersey yesterday and regional banks who saw a huge influx of customers coming in and taking out their savings and their money, uh, including nonprofits and other small businesses. And that's what I worry the most about, making sure that we have a strong community banking system left in the country after we're through this. We can't go back to too big to fail, where you just have a few banks with all the concentration in our country. We Meanwhile, hedge fund Citadel is betting on a regional bank sending a strong signal of confidence, even amid fears of a broader financial crisis. Today, Citadel said it bought a 5% stake in Western Alliance Bank Corporation. Good news for the bank. Western Alliance shares price surged 14% today after tumbling yesterday. It was one of the several banks caught up in a sell-off that began last week after two other banks were seized. Citadel is the most successful hedge fund ever. Its trades are closely watched for trends. In this next special report, Silicon Valley Bank was the go-to bank for many startups for years. How has its fall affected the startup community? We talked to some startups that have been impacted by the fall to get their stories. First, we spoke to a startup that moved over $600,000 out of SBB during the bank run. Allison Greenberg, the CEO of Ruth Health, says Silicon Valley Bank was critical for startups like hers. She says that before the collapse, SVB did a lot to help the entrepreneurial community. There are other banks we can bank with. In fact, we do bank with Mercury, and I think Mercury has had a really strong response. Their CEO has been extremely trusted and reliable through this crisis. But the part of SVB that can't be replaced is not the fact that it's a bank. It's the community aspect around it's the fact that you know SVB is a team of diverse and compassionate people, uh, and they developed an incredible reputation. And that reputation will never be one of J.P. Morgan uh, or of any of the major banks. Greenberg also says that it's likely after this event, more startups will be taking a second look at where they put their deposits. I think founders across the U.S. and, and even across the world are looking at their treasury strategy. And that is not something we considered before this event. We had two bank accounts. We trusted those banks. Um, today, we are less trusting, more protective, more conscientious about our treasury. We also talked to Rachel McCrary, the CEO of startup Gather Labs. McCrary says she had to move money from First Republic Bank, one of the banks affected by the SVB bank run. She wasn't impacted much by SVB's fall. We have always been bank diversified and always kept, you know, our assets in multiple banks at a time, just because things can happen and it just makes it a little safer. We did, you know, diversify a a little more and, you know, make sure that our cash positions were under 250, you know, at our smaller bank Um, because, you know, you're insured with the FDIC for under 250. And venture capital firms, which fund startups, may be affected as well. We spoke to John Engel, president of venture capital firm Elmington Capital. He invests in seed stage companies, some of which were affected by the bank run. He believes certain startups make it less financing as a result. There's going to be less leeway for investing in companies that have like a much longer sort of growth arc necessary to becoming profitable because the fact that like rising interest rates makes money more expensive, you know, so you have to have people, uh, the companies can't just rely on 
essentially endless injections of equity capital or generous loans that can keep them going indefinitely. Engel says decades of easy money policies have led to certain startups receiving tons of funding, despite being almost structurally unprofitable, even big ones like Uber and Lyft. A lot of this may change. He's not the only one, though, who thinks there will be tighter financing. We spoke to Wedbush Securities analyst Ann Ives. He and his company have been guiding clients through recent events. Ives thinks someone needs to fill the void that Silicon Valley Bank left, but that's unlikely. Going to be much more scrutiny for tech companies in terms of loan, in terms of venture debt, financing. You know, a lot of things that they did, other regionals and large money centers are probably not going to do. And I think that's something where they're going to rely ultimately these startups more on VCs, more in private funds, alternative financing. But it's going to be a new age. I think the ripple effects from this, you know, we could see for many years, potentially a decade. Meanwhile, regional lenders like First Republic Bank have recovered from their worst sell-off in three years, indicating that emergency measures taken by regulators to contain the Silicon Valley bank crisis have reassured investors. And moving on, looking at Wall Street, bank stocks overall clawed back losses from yesterday. Major indexes all rallied. The Dow added 336 points or 1.1 percent. S&P gained 65 points or 1.7 percent. Nasdaq rose 239 points or 2.1 percent. Facebook parent Meta said today it's cutting 10,000 jobs. Meta will be the first big tech company to announce a second round of mass layoffs. NTD's Shar Marshall has details. Mark Zuckerberg's year of efficiency gets even more efficient with another giant cut in jobs. 10,000 job cuts, he said in an update to employees posted on Facebook. That's on top of the 11,000 late last year. Metashares jumped 6% on the news. Harley Littman, CEO of one of the largest IT staffing companies. They're not getting the balance correctly. It's kind of from feast to famine. They're going from one extreme to another. That's, and it's not just true at Facebook Meta. It's, it's happening at a lot of companies. Leaner is better is part of Meta's plan, which he mentioned six times in his update. Another cultural principle Zuckerberg mentioned is flatter is faster. I asked Lippmann about the pros and cons of a flat organization. The pros of a flat organization are certainly the economics. You save money with middle management, you know, you, you, you shed that layer. And, and, and the idea, in theory anyway, you're more efficient and, and you have less bureaucracy. And, and that's the upside. Met is planning to remove multiple layers of management, asking many managers to become individual contributors. And the cons of that? The downside is you can't do it all. You know, you need layers of management. People, in theory, it always sounds good, you know, cut these middle management uh, levels because we need to be more efficient, but they're probably there for a reason. They're probably doing a lot of work. Other principles Zuckerberg mentioned include canceling projects that are duplicative or a lower priority, and building AI tools to help engineers. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Meta says the layoffs and other restructuring efforts could together save the company $3 billion. And Credit Suisse's shares tumbled today after releasing its delayed annual report. It identified material weaknesses in its internal controls over financial reporting and said it had not yet stemmed customer outflows. Francis McGuire reports. 
Credit Suisse's problems kept building on Tuesday when it released its delayed annual report. The bank admitted there were material weaknesses with its internal controls over financial reporting. It said the issues concerned the past two years. In the report, auditors PwC also gave a negative opinion on the effectiveness of the bank's controls. Credit Suisse has seen a number of scandals in recent years, which has worried investors. The lender found customer outflows rose to more than $120 billion in the fourth quarter. That amount put it in breach of some rules on how much liquid assets it needs to hold. The bank said Tuesday outflows had now fallen to much lower levels, though they had not fully stopped. The report was due for release last week, but the delay came after a request from US regulators. The Securities and Exchange Commission had raised questions about the bank's earlier financial statements. And inflation still remains high, but price increases slow down compared to last month. The latest consumer price index came in at 6% for February year over year. The CPI measures changes in the price of day-to-day -day items used by consumers. Compared to the month before, prices rose 0.4% in February, down from 0.5%. Energy and used vehicle prices fall, but was offset by rising food and shelter costs. Great having you back, Congresswoman Maliotakis. Now, CPI inflation released today, very high 6% year-over-year. Now, you're on the Ways and Means uh, Committee, and as well in a statement, you said we're pouring water and gasoline on this inflation fire all at once. Now, that's a very interesting analogy to me. Would you mind uh, just elaborating a bit on that? Well, sure. And uh, last week at our hearing uh, b before uh, the Ways and Means Committee, we had uh, Treasury Secretary uh, Yellen come before us. And basically, I pointed to the fact that with the Federal Reserve continuing to rapidly increase uh, interest rates to bring down inflation, uh, it's being offset by this administration's um, continuous printing and spending of money. So the goal here would be to drive down inflation, but if you continue to print and spend money, um, that's not going to happen. And so what I would suggest is for you know the Federal Reserve to pause right now, um, particularly considering what happened with the banks this weekend. The Silicon uh, Valley Bank, part of the reason why uh, it collapsed were the rapidly increasing interest rates, which is why I feel that the Federal Reserve is putting a tremendous pressure on some of our smaller community banks. Now, on your exchange with uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen, I'm glad you pressed her. But correct me if I'm wrong, but at the hearing, was she denying the fact that spending and printing causes inflation? Yeah, it was unbelievable to hear the Treasury uh, Secretary just echo the Biden administration's talking points. Uh, this is somebody who is, you know, well-educated. She, she knows economics. Uh, and, and she knows that, quite frankly, printing and spending money increases inflation. So I don't think she was being honest with the American people. But any, any, any bank expert you speak to, anybody in the financial sector, will tell you that it is the printing and spending of money that is uh, fueling this fire. And also, it's offsetting the Federal Reserve's goals of driving down inflation by inc with the increase of interest rates. And I like to point out, Congresswoman, all this when the U.S. is seeing record high debt. Uh, and to me, it seems like Biden's plan is to sort of put the burden on the American taxpayer by raising taxes. 
Yeah, look, President Biden's budget uh, spends too much, it taxes too much, and it it really just shows that they're not taking inflation seriously. If we continue spending at this rate, interest payments over the next 10 years will be uh, $10.5 trillion. Um, it's very unsustainable that right now we have a debt-to-GDP ratio, which is approximately 121%. The year I was born, in 1980, it was 35%. So, so one other thing I'll say is that uh, right now, Republicans are the only line of defense against Biden's reckless uh, budget. And we intend to you know, use our powers to push back on this and ensure that we're putting forward a more responsible budget. I don't think there's anyone that looks at Washington and says that, gee, there's not, there's not money being wasted here. So I think the reality is, is that if we just, if we, we look at opportunities to, you know, cut waste, cut fraud, cut abuse, but listen to the inspectors general who have come out with reports saying that we can tighten our belts and be more fiscally responsible, but we can, there's cost saving measures at these agencies. Uh, there's also safeguards that can be put in place to make sure money is utilized properly for its intended purpose. That's all we need to do, because at the end of the day, the taxpayer is the one that is hurting. And when they talk about providing, you know, handing out more money, whether it's in stimulus checks or what, what have you, these various programs, they're literally giving you money with one hand, but then they're taking it back with higher inflation. You're paying more when you go to the grocery store. You're paying more when you're filling up your gas tank. You're paying more when you are... Um, you know, trying to buy everyday goods. You're paying more for shelter. So the necessities, right, shelter, food, electricity, all continue to rise this month, uh, and they remain elevated, and it's a problem. Well, thank you very much this morning, Congresswoman. It was a pleasure speaking to you. It's great to be with you. Thank you very much. Ohio is suing railroad company Norfolk Southern. It's over the train derailment last month, which released hazardous chemicals in East Palestine. The state's attorney general today said he's concerned the railroad is putting profits above health and safety. Among the things we note in the complaint are Norfolk and Southern's uh, escalating accident rate. It's up 80 percent over 10 years. And uh, that's a concerning number. At least 20 Norfolk and Southern derailments since 2015 have included chemical spills. This derailment was entirely avoidable. The state is accusing the railroad of violating numerous Ohio laws. The lawsuit says the derailment caused the release of over 1 million gallons of hazardous chemicals and other harmful pollutants. It says the chemicals killed tens of thousands of fish and animals and endangered people's health. Norfolk Southern told NTD that its goal is to make things right for residents. It said it met with Ohio's attorney general this week to discuss programs it plans to develop, and it looks forward to working toward a final resolution with him. Taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, the Justice Department sues pharmacy right aid for its alleged link to the opioid epidemic. And the EPA proposes new regulations to make drinking water safer. That and more coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. Good news for diabetics. Novo Nordisk will start slashing some U.S. insulin prices by up to 75% next year, following rival Eli Lilly's move earlier this month. The price cuts will be for long and short-acting insulins. The pharmaceutical company will also drop the list price of unbranded products. More than 8 million Americans use insulin, according to the American Diabetes Association. Novo Nordisk price cuts will go into effect January 1st. The Justice Department is suing Rite Aid for allegedly violating the Controlled Substances Act and contributing to the opioid epidemic. According to the lawsuit, the DOJ says from May 2014 to June 2019, Rite Aid knowingly filled unlawful prescriptions for controlled substances with red flags. The prescriptions included excessive quantities of drugs like oxycodone and fentanyl. The Justice Department says these prescriptions were issued illegally and without a medical purpose. The complaint also accuses Rite Aid of intentionally deleting internal notes about suspicious prescribers. Rite Aid declined to comment on the lawsuit. The Environmental Protection Agency is proposing new regulations to make drinking water safer. The EPA announced today that under the proposed regulations, water systems would have to monitor for six specific forever chemicals, also known as PFAS. Those are synthetic chemicals that linger in the environment and the human body and can cause serious health problems. The water systems would also have to notify the public about the levels of PFAS in the water and work to reduce them if they go above the standard allowed. The EPA says the proposal would prevent thousands of deaths due to exposure to these chemicals, as well as tens of thousands of serious illnesses. It would be one of the first few new chemical standards to update the Safe Drinking Water Act since 1996. Grocery stores in small Danish towns are closing down in droves, with recent inflation and high energy costs making matters even worse. But locals say their new staff-free solution could be the answer. And today's Andrew Thomas has the details on what's fresh. Grabbing groceries has become a lot easier for residents of this Danish village 20 miles northwest of Copenhagen. For over two years, the community didn't have any grocery stores. We decided to have a temporary shop here in, in this container behind me because we can see it will take at least two uh, years before we can open up the new one. And it, in that uh, time, we, we want to keep uh, the people in the, in the village uh, so they still uh, get the goods in here. Around 1,000 residents had to drive at least four miles to the nearest big town. That's not a problem anymore, thanks to this new unstaffed grocery store in the town center. Everything is concentrated on, on the larger cities, um, so the small villages do not have those grocery stores, which is, a, which is a really a problem. And also it means that the, some of the small villages would actually die because nobody wants to live there. Janik Nittoft is the CEO of Denmark's Grocers Association. He says that inflation and high energy prices have made getting groceries an arduous errand. And at the same time, uh, our customers are anxious because they are afraid of losing job, also afraid of the inflation, so uh, they cut back in what they are buying. And that, of course, will also affect us as uh, grocers. Because there's no staff, the store is open 24 hours a day. Shoppers gain access by scanning a QR code with their smartphone. The maintenance of the store is about one to two hours a day where you can fill in uh, new goods and clean up the shop. That's all what's needed. All the other things are uh, fully automatic. 
Larsen says the company currently has 16 unmanned stores across Denmark. The CEO hopes to have 50 to 100 unstaffed stores in the country by the end of this year. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And that's all the stories today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mike. Follow me on Twitter. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at NTD.com. Thank you for watching and we'll see you tomorrow.